Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. All right, welcome into the program. Exactly a week away from the NFL draft when this podcast drops. And uh, John, I think I think the beauty of Sean Payton and the Saints is that no one really knows what he's going to do. None of the experts really have any idea. They have no clue. And I think that point was illustrated this week kind of in a fun way on Saints Wire when you went out, you surveyed 30 of the latest mock drafts from across the media landscape and found that they've linked New Orleans to 14 different prospects at five different positions. So we're seeing wide receiver linebacker corner nobody really knows what the Saints are going to do and I think that's kind of the brilliance that is Sean Payton isn't it just nobody can put their finger on this guy and it's it's kind of great yeah and it, you know it's hard to nail down to the Saints draft tendencies that they don't have many because they really address so many different positions you know in, in recent years they've shown a bit of a preference for uh, trench players you know offensive and defensive linemen in the early rounds um, but outside of that like there's not much that you can really um you know, single out as this is their calling card. And I think you're exactly right. That was reflected in that survey I did this past weekend of the of the 30 most recent mock drafts from around the NFL. Yeah, and then another exercise you put on Saints Wire, too, is you went through the best and the worst picks of the Sean Payton era, which I know can always fire up the fans, John. That's always a good topic, so good for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but one thing that stuck out to me is in the two most recent drafts, 2019 and 2020, in your worst picks article... You had seventh rounders. So that means, John, that you're probably telling us that they've been hitting more than they've missing in these money rounds over the last two years. So starting with 2019, that was kind of a funny class, right? Because they had no selection in the first round. They had traded that pick to get to move up and pick Davenport the year before. And they didn't pick in the third or the fifth round either. And they picked twice in the seventh round. So it was kind of a funky draft board to begin with. But your first pick in the second round ends up being Eric McCoy, who's a starting center for you. Your fourth round pick ends up being C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who's a starting corner. And that's pretty much it from that class, right? You picked uh, a safety in the sixth round, Saquon Hampton. He's now with the Jets. Uh, tight end, Elise Mack, who got your designation as the worst pick for, in this class. Uh, he's a tight end. I like the position, John. He just didn't pan out. He's now He was from Notre Dame, but he's no longer with the Saints. And in round seven, you also got a linebacker in Caden Ellis, who is still still around. Uh, but I think when you look at this class, the toughest pill to swallow here is probably that you didn't have a first round pick because you moved up to get Marcus Davenport and he hasn't really played up to that billing yet. Right. I mean, that might be the toughest pill when you actually look at 2019. Yeah. You know, you're really feeling the impact of the Davenport trade and the Saints just have not gotten a return on that yet. So I think there's definitely an argument to say, you know, the, the worst pick the Saints spent in 2019 was uh, spending it a year before to trade up for Davenport. But, you know, for the purposes of that, that exercise, I was looking at the players drafted in each year, had to go with Mac. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of washed out for a few different teams. Now I think he does have a Super Bowl ring for being on the chiefs practice squad year before last. Not bad. Um, oddly enough. So, Hey, Hey, hey the man's got a Super Bowl ring. I mean, that, that Super Bowl winning uh, practice squad tied in at least Mac to you and me. Um, but, you know, he, he's with the Steelers now. He's still hoping to catch on with somebody. And from what I remember, he, you know, he, he tested like a great athlete. He was a former uh, very highly rated high school recruit at Notre Dame. He never really called on in their offense, which has sent some good players to the NFL. 
Um, and the Saints gave him a, a fair shot, and he, you know, he couldn't crack the opening roster, and he, he washed out of the practice squad a, a few months into the season. So, you know, th- that's a wasted pick. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of the expectation for a lot of seventh-rounders. And Saints fans will tell – we talked about this last week. Saints fans will say, you know, hey, every seventh-rounder, that, that, that's the next Marcus Colston. That, that's, the next, that's our next uh, Zach Street. Uh, but those guys are exceptions that prove the rule. And generally, the rule is you're going to get someone like an Elise Mack who washes out, or a Caden Ellis who is, you know, maybe one of your top special teams players. Uh, but he's very much a backup. He's not a starter. He, he's not really taking on a prominent role. And that, that was reflected in 2020 as well. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, 2020. So the Saints traded twice on day two of this draft. So they only had four selections. So in 2019 and 2020 combined, you only make nine total selections. Uh, you end up in round one with Cesar Ruiz, who's your starting right guard. You get Zach Bond. Co-starter. Co-starter. Now, let's be clear. Wait. Ruiz, he never did win that starting job. He only got on the field uh, because <laughs> Nick Easton got concussed three different times last season. All right, giving them too much credit. Maybe I, maybe I can see where John should have went with the worst pick on the, in that draft. You said you yeah. go with this. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, you end up with Zach Bond in the third round. Linebacker. I think he's a starter entering camp. Don't yell at me, John. I think he's a starter. Um, and then Adam Trotman, who's obviously a starter. I know they like him because... At tight end, you can move on from Jared Cook thanks to that draft pick of Adam Trotman in the third round. And then in the seventh round, this was an interesting one, and this was your pick here, John. Uh, A quarterback named Tommy Stevens. Don't know much about him, but I do know that he was cut from the same cloth as Taysom Hill, right? And this is hilarious. So right before the Saints had drafted him in that season with Mississippi State, he had separated his shoulder, broke a rib, and punctured a lung. And Sean Payton's like, yeah, we'll, we'll bring him in anyway. So I can't be too surprised that he didn't stick on. Yeah, so there were a couple of subplots at work here. So when the Saints drafted Adam Troutman in the third round, they got him by trading the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks to move up and get Troutman at the end of the the third round. So the Saints, they're they're sitting out all of the action on day three. The draft is wrapping up. Sean Payton calls Tommy Stevens and his agent and says, hey, we want you as an undrafted rookie. And Tommy Stevens says, oh, well, actually, Joe Brady has actually gotten me to agree to a, an undrafted rookie deal with the Panthers, so I won't be going to New Orleans. And Sean Payton says, oh, like hell, he will. <laughs> so, I'm, this is, so Sean Payton trades his sixth-round pick in 2021, which we don't have this year, for the Houston Texans' seventh-rounder to go get Tommy Stevens and force him to, to play for the Saints. And they get Stevens, and they try and convert him to tight end, and he washes out and that can't do it. And they end up cutting Tommy Stevens from the practice squad later in the season, and he does end up with Joe Brady in Carolina, and that's where he is now. So there, there was a lot, a lot of moving parts at, at play, a lot of drama with these uh, these backup tight ends in New Orleans. Yeah, that was a that was a great little story right there. I love that. So at the end of the day, you get five starters basically, or maybe a one fringe starter in there, um, co-starter. I'm sorry. Um, out of your nine total draft selections out of the last two years. And there's some trades, right? So you you do end up with Davenport in the first round of 2018. You, you made some trades. You had Teddy Bridgewater for a time. You had Eli Apple, of the you know, who was drafted by the Giants for a time. He's now played for you know half the teams in the league, it seems. Eli Apple, he's been everywhere. Um, so you definitely have some hits in there. But I think as we've discussed in, in the past, John, there's a need to replenish in this year's draft. We talked about moving back last week and how that could be a viable option for them and it would make sense. You have eight selections in this draft and it just feels like, you know, the Saints just, not only they they haven't hit a 
ton of home runs the last two years. They just haven't made a lot of picks the last two years, right, when you go through this these two lists. So it feels like there's a little bit of pressure this year to kind of hit a little bit more and replenish and actually draft some players and have a real draft class with seven or eight picks or, or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. Like there's a real need to restock the middle of the roster to find uh, some, you know, some starting caliber talent at cornerback, at receiver, at linebacker. Like there are real positions of need for, for the Saints this year. And fortunately they have the means to get it done. Uh, we've talked about this before. They've got eight picks in the draft this year. Um, and they've got nine potentially coming down the road next year. So they've, they've got plenty of resources to work with. We just really need to you know, fast forward a week and get into it. So we'll, we will see. You know, to, to their credit, the Saints have drafted fairly well in the top couple of rounds uh, in recent years. Eric McCoy, the 2019, uh, their top pick in the second round, they traded up to get him. And he has been a Pro Bowl quality center for, for the Saints ever since. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, their, their nickelback, um, he is a force player. He, he, he's been in very impactful for them, and he's somebody who is absolutely a key part of the secondary for the, the years ahead. So he, he was a fourth-rounder. Again, they traded up for him. So we see the Saints over and over again. They're trading up for these guys. They traded up for three of their four picks in the 2020 draft. Now, the plan then was a quality over quantity approach, which, which I get it. And it just didn't work out in that, you know, Zach Bond didn't play. Adam Troutman was your third tight end. Tommy Stevens was cut. So they've maintained that approach where they're, ident- they're identifying the guys they want. They're making an effort to go get them. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Now, more often than not, it's worked out for them. Um, we, we just have to hope that they can really bounce back and, you know, make a better first-round pick than they've gotten with, you know, Cesar Ruiz, who couldn't win a starting gig as a rookie. And Marcus Davenport, who, you know, might be a starter by default at this point in his career, just because they don't have anybody else uh, who, who's, who's a better option. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. I mean, they, they've got the ammunition. They've got the needs. Uh, they just need to get a plan on how to address them. More draft thoughts coming up next. All right, John, uh, a player that is linked to the Saints here that they've been talking to that got fans kind of excited is a linebacker from LSU, Jabril Cox. Seems like a coverage kind of guy, had eight interceptions in college, right? He looked pretty good next to Demario Davis and the, and the crew there on the linebacker core. Uh, what do you think about this player and the potential the Saints could go get him maybe early on day two? Yeah, I like him. Uh, he, he was one of the very few bright spots on LSU's defense last year. Um, that's the defense we got. Uh, Bocalini ran out of town on a rail. Um, it, 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 he, he was a transfer from North, North Dakota State, a college teammate of uh, Trey Lance, who, you know, depending on how his pro day goes, goes may or may not be the third overall pick in this year's draft. Um, circle back to Cox, and he, he's a very good uh, coverage linebacker. You know, he's a little light. He's on the lighter side. He's much more of a Deion Jones, a Craig Robertson type Um we just don't know how well he's going to run. We will know next week after his pro day um, because he missed LSU's workouts with a hamstring strain when he was training for it. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how see how he measures up athletically. Uh, but, you know, you look at the tape and you see somebody who is very effective in coverage. Uh, he, he's a very, very heady player. He, he's very intelligent in recognizing how, how routes develop, what, how the concepts are drawn up, and adapting to them. Um, he, he didn't commit many mistakes on the field. He, he, he was not penalized in coverage last year. 
and he did not allow a touchdown pass last year. So, and like you said, he's got some ball skills. He's intercepted a lot of passes. It, it, it would be a nice injection of playmaking ability to the Saints defense. Now, if you add him, he would be, he, I believe he's projected to be more of a second round pick, which would make a lot of sense would be for the Saints to, to, to trade down, get into the 40 or 50 range, add Cox there, and then pick up another third rounder so that they can you know, have some more versatility as the draft continues on. So I would like to see him brought in. He does have some issues to his game. You know, He's a little undersized, like we said, even though that's more of a, a trend recently. Um, he's also you know, not the best run defender. He, he can guess wrong in his run fits. He, he can... He can make some mistakes in that area of the game, but th- those are issues you can coach up. Like you, you can develop that. What you cannot teach as easily is strong instincts and coverage, and a you know a deep understanding of the game. But that, that's what got Stephon Anthony cut from the Saints two years ago or traded to the Dolphins. Um, he had all the athleticism in the world. He just you know routinely made poor decisions on the field. He made a lot of mistakes. Um, and he did a lot of the things wrong that we see uh, Cox do right. And, you know, not, not to have for uh, Clemson 42 catching strays out here, um, but, but, you know, you see the flaws he had, and they're not there with Cox. And that gives me some confidence that he's going to be a successful NFL player. I like that trade back and draft Cox early on day two. That ties in a whole conversation we had last week on the podcast, John. That's perfect. I see what you're doing there. I see what you're up to. Just tying yeah, it all man. together, man. It's all, <laughs> that's all good, man. That's beautiful work by you. Um, so another, another name that came across the wire that got me interested is uh, Jalen McCleskey. I was like, who, who are the Saints signing this wide receiver from Tulane? Well, it turns out this guy could be maybe a steal that slipped through the cracks from COVID last year. I know last year was kind of an awkward season for some of these rookies that didn't get drafted. Uh, So no pro day for McCleskey. He spent some time at training camp with the Falcons, but again, tough to stick as an undrafted free agent during that off season. But he runs a 40 in 4.28. So he is a burner slot guy says that he mirrors his game after Edelman a little bit. Julian Edelman, my guy, Julian Edelman, uh, Seems like he's a little bit faster than Edelman, though, John. Yeah, he's got wheels. I, you know, he, he's a very athletic young man, and I think he, he could be a good fit in the Saints offense, or at least on the special teams units. And to his credit, he, he's shown a lot of willingness to chip in, um, in, in, not just as a returner himself, but as a gunner, as, as a blocker, to do, to do what it takes to make a roster. Um, so I, I think he's got a lot of potential going into training camp. So, you look at how McCleskey was used. Um, not, he, he's known for his one year at Tulane to finish his college days. He started out at, at Oklahoma State, and he was one of the better slot receivers in the Big 12 uh, when, when he was a Cowboy. And he, he played very well, and I think that that might be his path to the roster because, you know, you look at it in the sense that that's where Emmanuel Sanders played predominantly for the Saints last year was lining up in the slot. Obviously, he's gone, so that's a job that's open. There's minutes available there. Um, I fully expect the Saints to get to try out every option they can. Traquan Smith might be the favorite just because he has, you know, the longevity that others don't. Uh, but McCleskey, I think he's, he has a real shot to, you know, make the team. If, if he can line up in the slot and make more plays than a, a Marcus Callaway or a Lil Jordan Humphrey or Juwan Johnson, you know, all of these, undra- like McCleskey, undrafted receivers who, you know, kind of barely made the team last year. May have hung around the practice squad a bit, or in Callaway's case, was inactive to start of the year. Um, I think he's got a real shot. He's someone that we shouldn't sleep on, and he's a fun, uh, you know, local talent. To keep an eye on as we uh, approach training camp later this summer. 
there's a report out there that teams are looking to sign Richard Sherman after the draft. Now, it seems like the market hasn't kind of materialized the way he wanted it to. And so this will allow teams to kind of go into the draft, make their selections, look at their roster, and then decide, all right, do we want to go and enter the Sherman sweepstakes? But the Saints have been a team that have been linked to him, John. So we'll probably get a better idea after the draft for this. But I don't know. Richard Sherman, he would look pretty good in a Saints uniform. I, I wouldn't mind adding him to that unit. He'd be a nice little veteran player to, to put on that defense. Yeah, totally. I, I can definitely see a situation where the Saints, they can't find a top, they can't find a corner in the top three rounds. The value just isn't there. And they come out of the draft, they still need a starter. They're, they don't want to start, you know, P.J. Williams or Patrick Robinson. So they call up Sherman and they cut a deal at an affordable rate. I, I can definitely see that happening. So Sherman is an interesting case where he has a podcast with Chris Collins where, where he kind of documents the, day, the day-to-day life of an 11-year NFL veteran. And it's really interesting stuff. And Sherman, too, uh, represents himself in free agency. So this is the feedback that he is directly hearing from teams where it's, hey, we want you in the building, but we want to, see, we want to weigh all of our options in the draft, and then we'll call you and see what happens. And, you know, he's been very blunt about this. He's like, hey, that, that's the reality of my career at this point where I'm a 33 year old coming off of an injury and I'm not going to have the big money deals available to me that I may have when I was younger. And I, I think it's good. It's very refreshing to see that perspective from someone where it's not, um, you know, very egotistical. Like I'm, I'm the best. I deserve to be paid number one. Um, it, that's just not going to happen. That's not the reality. And to his credit, Sherman is embracing that. So he's someone who would make a lot of sense for the Saints from a team building perspective um, in that scenario, like I said, where if they can't find a corner in the top three rounds with the top 100 pick, they need one, Sherman makes sense. Um, he and Sean Payton have really admired each other for a long time. They've exchanged a lot of positive uh, words about each other as coach and player. I think there's a very positive relationship there. Um, he's also very familiar with the scheme the Saints run. I mean, he, he, Chris, Chris Richard, the Saints defensive backs coach, what was his defensive backs coach with the Seahawks back in the day in their Legion of boom era so it's not like he would have to be totally learning a new scheme at 33 he knows his responsibilities he could step in and be an impact from day one you know considering the makeup of the saints cornerbacks room right now at the depth chart i think sherman would be a really positive influence on marshawn Lattimore in showing him hey you've got to bring the same effort day after day after day you can't just trust that you're faster than your competition like you've got to put in the work study the film and really bring, bring that energy every day to be a, success, a successful pro. And so I can definitely, you know, I, I weigh all these factors together, and I can see why the Saints are interested. Uh, as, as a bystander, as an observer, to, to me, what would not make sense is cutting Janoris Jenkins to make this happen. Like, to me, if you release Jenkins, you have to have a plan of getting younger at that spot, getting cheaper at that spot, um, and, you know, really having a, a future, just a plan for the future at cornerback. And so far, we have not seen that. I mean, the Saints, they've, they've been interested in a few free agents, and they've whiffed on all of them. You know, uh, Chidobe Awuzier signed with the Bengals. He's one the Saints were in on. T.J. Carey, uh, the Saints had him in the building. They had him in the facility, and he ends up going back to Indianapolis and re-signing with the Colts. And now Sherman is another option who we might not see any movement on until after the draft. Um so hopefully that trend doesn't continue. Hopefully the Saints get this fixed one way or another. It's not the move I would make, but I can totally rationalize it from the Orleans perspective. The countdown is on now. We're, we're going to be seven days away. 
and that gives you about a week to make your final prediction. So I'm not going to hold you to it this week, but you think next week you'll be ready to make your prediction on what Sean Payton's going to do because nobody freaking knows. So I'm going to be, I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'll take, I'll take I'm anxious and ready. <laughs> yeah, man, we'll, we'll, I'll step up to the plate. Uh, that, that's my at-bat opportunity, and you know, we'll, we'll, I'll, get, I'll give it my best shot. We'll, we'll see how it goes. That's John Sigler. We'll talk to you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.